Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Between Two Pods. My name is Slade, your host as always. Today, I'm joined by Dave with Tales from the Backlog. Hey, man, how we doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for the invite. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you on. Uh, would you like to tell everybody about your show and uh, where they can find you? Yeah, sure. So um, my show is, other than interviewing other podcasters and content creators, not unlike this show, uh, We, I do episodes... Um, it's myself on every episode. I'm the only permanent host. And then every episode has a guest and we do one game review per episode. And it's backlog games for the most part with a, maybe a handful of new games every year. Um, so not quite retro games, not quite new games, just whatever I feel like playing. Um, and I guess the, the key thing I would like people to know about my show is that for the first hour or so of every episode, we go no spoilers as deep as we can with no spoilers. Uh, And that is a hard rule I do on the show because I want people to be able to listen to a podcast episode about a game they think they might want to play someday and not be spoiled. So that's, uh, that's tales from the backlog. Very cool. And where all can they find you online in your show? Well, wherever you're listening to this, uh, unless it's on uh, some super secret game club podcast uh, website (laughs) or something, uh, you can find tales from the backlog, but you can also find me on Twitter uh, at TFTBL pod. I post new episodes there. Uh, Instagram at Tales from the Backlog. Uh, yeah, just uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm there. All right. I always say you can find us on the sketchy players, is uh, my normal <laughs> go to. Whatever one is the sketchiest, we're probably hanging out. Yep. So the software will send us some questions, right? Yeah. What's your favorite game of all time? Because obviously, like us, you know, you play a lot of things. So that's mm-hmm. like a hefty question. And to not lead the witness, but I always say it's the first one that just popped in your head when I asked you that. Yeah. It's probably your actual favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that it's Bloodborne, and it did just pop in my head first, but I also just, like, really, really love that game. So I'm going to go with Bloodborne. Bloodborne is fantastic. That's my favorite of the Soul series, actually. Hell yeah. Yeah. Out out of all of them. Bloodborne's... I I don't know what it is about the combat. I just find it a bit more uh, gratifying. Yeah, I think it's... um, I mean, I, I like... The parry, in addition to like the regular Souls combat, sped up. Um, the once you learn how to do the gun parrying in Bloodborne, it is uh, it's almost unmatched as far as like satisfaction. One of uh, my co-hosts, Tim, has the Hunter's Mark like tattooed on his forearm. Nice. Not gonna <laughs> yeah. lie, I've thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's a pretty cool tattoo. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the thing I found out later is that apparently Bloodborne gets some hate for the uh, the vial system, like the blood file system. Yeah, I mean, I, I say it's my favorite game. It doesn't mean it's perfect and that I agree with every design decision that they made. And uh, grinding for blood vials is is uh, kind of sucks. So yeah. not I, perfect. I, I always heard that complaint. And then when I you know played it much later afterwards, I always found that uh, it was like the end of the game mm-hmm. when I was finally having to go back and grind for blood vials because I yeah. had so many because I was grinding for blood echoes anyway. Yeah, I remember I was I was fighting the final boss of the DLC, the hardest boss in the game, and I ran out of blood vials like twice and I was streaming it and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody, but like I have to go spend 20 minutes grinding for blood files i i know no one wants to watch that but i got to yeah you just gotta run the starting area over and over again that's what i did that's what i used to do i used to throw on a podcast and just go run central yarnum and grind up blood files yeah i I did that for our review like because i knew you know the how hard it was going to be anyway i just Mm -hmm. ran central yarnum for probably like my first two hours of the playthrough to have a good stock oh yeah that's a good strategy too Yeah, yeah when i was streaming it i went and killed um 
the pigs in uh, the nightmare in Murgo's yes. loft area because uh, you get a bunch of blood echoes from them. You just buy a bunch of blood vials. Mm-hmm. And I guess for a streaming audience, uh, watching you um, forcibly fist some giant pigs is more entertaining. Did you have the same reaction the first time you ran across one of the pigs in the, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's like the little sewer you run through underground in the beginning of the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you make a beeline straight and then fall down the ledge that's at the other end? It's just like a bottomless pit. Yeah, I know the I know the edge you're talking about. I don't think I ran down the edge. I think I just got like smashed up against the wall by, by the boar that's in there. That, that, my first experience was falling off the bottom. <laughs> oh, d- tr- I got curious. I was like, oh, what's in the back? There's treasure in the back of these things. I know how video games work. And uh, yeah, you just fall down. Well, well, there we go. We can start with an easy one. Um, one I'd like to know is why do you podcast? What, you know, what brought this about for you? Uh, so I started, I have another podcast. I don't advertise it as much uh, because I mean, I two podcasts is too many in my opinion um i have another podcast it's called a top three podcast and that's been going longer than tales from the backlog so that was the start and it was you know uh, it's it's gonna be a tale as old as time during the pandemic uh, me and three of my high school friends decided like we've been doing top three lists together for a long time uh why don't and like anchor was um getting popular for making right. podcasts so we were like, oh, now there's this like really easy way to do a podcast. Let's just do it. Okay. So that's how it started. And then um, I, I really enjoy, I came to enjoy the process of editing and uh, everything except social media that's involved with doing a podcast. I came to really enjoy. And then uh, along the way, I started to think like, I would really like to do one about video games because I'm playing video games all the time. And so, yeah, Tales from the Backlog. So is that basically it? It's just you working through the backlog list? and then... Yeah. For the most part. I mean, it's it's mostly the stuff that I want to play makes it onto the show. But I, it is mostly stuff from the backlog. I've, I've never been one of the people that's like bouncing from new release to new release to new release. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I kind of do our our uh, podcast that way. It's stuff that I wanted to play and never got mm-hmm. around to. And I'm like, oh, if I put it in the podcast list, I'll get around to this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, in your backlog, is there a game that you've wanted to cover? You just haven't gotten around to it yet? Oh, dude, there's so many. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I have a I have an Excel uh, spreadsheet with all the you know the the schedule the recording schedule this the stuff that's coming up the, the people i want to ask on to be guests everything and it, it's just too much and there's a part of that that's also like the uh, i want to do this for the podcast list so on there is uh and they're all really long games too it's like the the five hour games i just do those they don't stay on the spreadsheet so right uh, it's like i want to replay morrowind and talk about it on the podcast i want to replay the witcher 3 and do it on the podcast. Um, Pathologic, I guess, is a shorter one that I would like to do. Um, and then there's like three Final Fantasy games. Uh, there's two Persona games. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah, this is just adding and adding and adding for time. Yeah. And trying, so to, it's like, <laughs> trying to balance that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and my show's weekly, so I do one game per week. Uh, and I take one, I take one episode off per month to do like a discussion episode but it's still three or four games a month. So 
it's no small task to just throw, oh yeah, I think I'll just do Persona 3 this month. It <laughs> doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's only 60 hours. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of happy we're bi-weekly, but we're very far ahead of our schedule. As yeah. Well, you found out when we started doing this. We yeah. found Me early too. on if we do that. Yeah, it, it makes things so much easier. Yeah, I'm, I'm two months ahead of recording schedule. It happened by accident when I first started the show, mm-hmm. and I realized how awesome it was to not like record an episode and be like, I have to get this out in three days because my episodes are long. So I, I work to maintain that buffer. So like we, we understand each other. Yes. Uh, the play along podcast guys give a little peek behind their curtain. I did their episode for, uh, with tears of the kingdom, but they talked yeah. about the Goron village. And then like two days later it came out. That was a two hour episode. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh God, I just feel, I feel bad for y'all. Mm-hmm. Because I know I know the pain of it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't think enough people appreciate the amount of time it actually takes to edit in a podcast. Oh. What would you say? So, f- for you, how long does it take you to edit and like finish an hour of content? Well, so if it's this, there's not much editing behind it. I throw in the okay. little background music, the intro, outro, make sure yeah. our voices are, you know, audios match pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then it's listen to the episode, see if, you know, if you have a cut request, you know, I can cut something out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty straightforward. So it's actually around the same time of the episode, which is very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's our main line, because we uh, censor swear words. Right. I always say double it. Because yeah. you're going to have be doing a lot of stopping. Oh, where was that swear word? Where do I need to put the sensor beep in? So to me, you know, if it's an hour episode of just regular game club, I would say two hours. Yep. I, I'd say conservatively an hour of audio takes an hour and a half to edit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes adding in music breaks, uh, you know, leveling, reducing background noise, all of that stuff. That's the easy stuff. But I listen through all of every episode to make sure that like there's not huge long pauses or big you know i don't i don't take out every um but if there's a huge one and then like 10 seconds of pause i'm gonna cut that out so i go through and listen to all of that so yeah easily an hour of content or an hour of audio takes an hour and a half to edit probably two hours if i'm being honest yeah and i i wish people did realize that it's not as fast you know turn around but uh, this is thankfully but yeah again you know when you have a guest you might do this as well like i'll send you a link and you can listen to it you can give me feedback if there's something you don't like mm-hmm. you know and then that adds into your time yeah it's it is a giant time and then you add in social media and um if you make graphics for your podcast, like I'm, I'm not good at making graphics. That takes me time to to put those things together. So it is not something I thought about in the slightest. When I recorded the first episode of a top three podcast, we we hit stop recording and they were like, okay. So my, my other friends uh, on the show were like, all right, when's the episode coming out? And I was like, oh, I have to like, people were like burping and shit. I can't put this out <laughs> the way it is. I have to literally learn how to edit software this week so uh, it's it's underappreciated for sure absolutely um so let's move a bit forward in here if your podcast because you know you do have the top three but you also have this but if your podcast let's say tells in the backlog uh was something completely unrelated to the current media what would you have it about that's a good question i don't really uh, partake in a lot of other entertainment media 
Um, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of TV. So like, it might be books. Honestly, books are probably okay. my second favorite. So you'd go with books instead. I mean, we consider ourselves a book club, but that's because you know we have three hosts and you know we get right, together in the right. chat. I think yours though, you could say it's almost like that, couldn't you? Kind of, um, except I mean, it is me and a different guest coming together to kind of review the game together and talk about our experiences. So it's kind of like that. But I think for a book club, people need to know what's coming far enough in advance that they could feasibly play along. Right. And I've, I might give people two months notice. It's usually, or I might give people one whole month notice of like what's coming up. And that's really only for people in my discord server. Um, I post the schedule publicly, like two days before the first episode comes out usually. Okay. So if I say like, you know, in two weeks, I'm, I'm covering uh, the Witcher two or something like who's going to play the Witcher two in two weeks. Not yeah. many people. No one. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the game club thing like kind of works in theory if you're really tuned into what I'm doing, but you know, not right. as much as you or play along for sure. Yeah, we we talk about it openly. We never publish our schedule just because it is subject to change. Right. Uh, like later this year, we're doing Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. Uh, but when it was put in the schedule, nobody looked at how long it was. <laughs> <laughs> so it got bumped out, and some other things got shuffled forward. That's why we right. don't publish our list, but. I mean, if you ask any of us, we could tell you what's coming up next or what we have. None of it's secretive. Right. Yeah. Uh, a fun one that I like to ask is, what's your, in your opinion, what is the current thing wrong with AAA gaming? Um, all right. It, it would be kind of like hypocritical of me to like criticize AAA gaming's like, uh, focus on hyper-realistic graphics um, without first saying that like some of the new games do look incredible and I love the way that um, Final Fantasy 16 looks. I think it looks fantastic and uh, I've seen like Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok they look incredible but AAA gaming focuses too much on that and I, I think that we don't see enough like stylized art direction in AAA. It's why everyone lost their shit with Hi-Fi Rush earlier this year because it's a AAA game that doesn't look like a AAA game. Right. You know, until I found out who made it, I was like, who, what's this indie game they're dropping, you know? So yeah. as much as I, I like the way these games look, it definitely plays into how long these games take to make and the human suffering that some of these games take to make you know so I, I would say that is is something that i think is like kind of unnecessary right no i would i'd say you're correct though there is far too much focus on the graphics um I, i've used this as an example before but you know when uh more or oblivion came out yeah it was praised for having like human realistic graphics look how amazing <laughs> it is you, you know and you yeah, laugh now yeah you laugh now because it no i was there horrible. i know what you mean yeah 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 it, it, it looks horrible but something like uh borderlands still looks good because yeah. of the artistic direction um we recently replayed through bioshock one and it still looks good <laughs> uh, dude i was just gonna say bioshock still looks good dishonored still looks good it's those it's those stylized things and not trying to make the most realistic models possible yeah, 
I think stuff like that will hold up a lot longer, even under, you know, good scrutiny. Same with the pixel art. I mean, oh yeah, you know, you know uh, the original Mario games still look pretty good. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think I've played a, su- a, a Super Nintendo game recently and thought this looks like trash. Like I've, <laughs> I, I just can't think of any. Like every time I play one, I'm like, oh yeah, these, all of these old pixel art RPGs that I play, they still look great. Yeah, it's hard to believe that even now after all this time. I think the the simplicity or there maybe their limitations in the art direction they could have at the time. Yeah, they they they. It's it's not like uh, they didn't want to uh, do more, but they couldn't. So it stops them in their tracks before the scope starts expanding too much. Right, right. You know, I think that's right, though. And I've heard a lot of people say right now it's the the overfocus on uh, hyper-realistic graphics. So you're not alone in that club. Right. Yeah. I I would just love to see, like, just more more art direction, more style in there, which is why, like, of the games that are coming out that have, you know, realistic graphics, like, I I think um, think Deathloop looked really nice. Parts of Redfall like had really cool art direction, you know. Right. Uh, that game's horrible, but it looked nice for the most part um, with like the artistic choices they made. If you look too close at the textures, they may not look great, but I I don't really mind that a whole lot because I was looking at like the sky. There's a solar eclipse in the sky in that game, so <laughs> right that that stuff stands out more than something that's just you know realistic for realism's sake. It's like, uh, do you remember for everyone, Pixar made a big deal about, oh, we can do the, the hair on someone's arm. It's like, well, mm-hmm. no, no one's going to notice that, you know? Right. Cool that you can, but is it important? Yeah. Every Yakuza game has looked the same for the last 10 years. Like, they still look great. I don't need more realism, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, while we're on the subject, though, to you, what makes the perfect video game? Oh, man. Um, I think the best thing that a video game can do, the best two things that they can do are to pique my curiosity, um, especially with exploring. It's why I love From Software so much. Uh, they're my favorite developer, and it's not because I love challenging boss fights. It's because I love their levels. I love exploring. Uh, the other thing is if a game can weave gameplay mechanics and the fact that it's an interactive medium into its story, that is the like the ultimate and one more (laughs) if a game um sets up a bunch of stuff so that like if i have an idea and i try it and it works like the game says yes more than it says no put all those three things together i think that's the perfect video game so then are you enjoying tears of the kingdom right now i oh man that's a (laughs) that's a complicated question i think tears of the kingdom is an incredible game and i haven't played it in a couple weeks because i'm overwhelmed you know, but that's the thing. I think Tears of the Kingdom says yes a lot more than it probably should have. And I, you know, especially with the way they let you uh, fuse things together and kind of, I would say, a lot of freedom in what you can build. Oh, I, I think it's incredible. Like, I I love how many options there are, and I love seeing the cool stuff that people do. I just personally right now... I think about all of the stuff that I want to do and have yet to do in that game, and I just decide to play other stuff. It's just, it's a little overwhelming. I'm, I'm at, so I've been playing it for a while and just taking my time, but I, I'm at the point of going to Hyrule Castle and I've gotten mm-hmm. all the main stuff and I'm just overwhelmed. I'm like, I also don't want it to be over. So it's kind of sitting on 
the back burner a bit. Right. Yeah. Same here. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pick it up and I'll play like an hour every week or two at this point. And if yeah. it's, uh, you know, if it takes me another year to beat the game, so be it. Uh, for us, this is our last game we're reviewing this year. So I just have to have it done by then. Okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, from there, though, in you know, in the tales of the backlog, is there a game that you found out should have been left in your backlog? That the uh. idea of what you've heard about it, right, and how highly praised it's been for years, you should have just not touched it because your opinion is nowhere near what it was praised. Uh, the first one for me that always comes to mind is Resident Evil 4. Right. I didn't play it when I was younger, and I played the original as an adult, and I could not stand it. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Resident Evil 4 came out of the backlog last year, and I loved it so much. Okay. So that one came. That one was a success. Um, I think, so I've done, at the time of recording, I've done 80, 85 episodes recorded, 85 games. Um, I, there's only two that I came out, three, now that I did Redfall. Uh, that should have stayed far away. Um, other than that, though, there's there's only two that I thought like uh, this sucks. I hate this. Uh, Eastward is a is an indie game, so like it's not that like I had heard it was amazing for years and years. Um, it is a it's a pixel art indie game, kind of half inspired by Zelda, half inspired by Earthbound and stuff like that. Oh, and so every pixel art indie game that. <laughs> It's it's a common uh, source of inspiration for yes, sure. It's absolutely. I it was sold to me as having a deeply emotional story and uh, that nothing bad happens to anyone in that story. Uh, ah. So I was very disappointed by that. Um, but the one that I'd heard about for years and years and years that I uh, played and I didn't like for the backlog was Mega Man X. I had a horrible really? time with that game. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, 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 I, I just finished playing Mega Man 2 a couple days ago and I hated that too. I'm just not a fan of Mega Man. That's, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, agree to disagree between Resident Evil and Mega Man. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I, so I didn't, I didn't grow up playing Mega Man and, um, I didn't grow up playing a lot of retro games like that. Uh, I basically started playing games with Pokemon and then, like, the N64 era onward. Okay. Even though I was old enough, like I was old enough to have an, a Super Nintendo, but I just didn't have video games until I was older. So I didn't grow up with some of those uh, design sensibilities from the age. Uh, the lives and continues and uh, game overs and uh, the yeah. game making themselves harder so it would take you longer to beat them, stuff like that. And I just, I can't stand it. So well, Mega Man's just not for me. That's fair. A lot of that too is holdover from uh, like the arcade days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I was, I'm in the hand-me-down generation. Mm -hmm. So I'm the youngest of like the cousins. So they had the NES and it, you know, got its way down and then eventually I got it. Yeah. And then they're like, oh yeah, you can't beat Mega Man. So I got bullied into playing it a bunch. So I, <laughs> I have some rose-tinted nostalgia goggles for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have the nostalgia goggles for my own stuff too. We all do. Yeah. Um... So what is your favorite thing about podcasting? Um, couple things. Number one, the amount of like incredible creators that I've met doing it. And I'm sure that like most everyone you talk to says something to this effect, right? <laughs> uh, Cause we all, we all, you know, we're in Liv's uh, server for podcasters right. and stuff. So 
all of us, I think, feel the same way. The community of other podcasters that you've met um, that have become like true friends through the years doing this, that's been incredible. Um, some type of creative fulfillment, which for me is not something I had experience with before doing this. I've never been a very creative person. I don't make art. I don't make music. I, I consume. And okay. so to, to create something and have people now, like I have a Patreon page and I am kind of blown away by the amount of people that would pay me money each month for my product. Uh, that's cool too. I'm not going to lie. Right. You know, I mean, everybody's got their own answer to this. And while we're yeah. on this little bit of uh, gushing and everything, do you have a favorite indie podcast that you'd like to shout out? Holy shit, man. Too many. Um, <laughs> let's see. I I want to shout out Pixel Project Radio. Uh, me and Rick uh, have worked together many times, um, and I love listening to his show. Um, I want to shout out Retro Hangover, who I uh, have kind of started working with a little bit more recently, and I love their show. But like, honestly, I could like, look, I have my discord window open. I can just look down all the discord servers and be like, ah, oh, I love them. I love the good, the bad, and the backlog. And I love list off and I love the unlockables and, and I love one hour, one decision and just keep going all the way down these lists. Uh, it's honestly too many. That's no, fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, from there, we don't have too many more questions for you, mind you. Uh, there is one on here I forgot to tell you and it only has one acceptable answer I just want you to be aware of that sure um, to you we, we may have touched on this a bit but what do you think the biggest challenge is in podcasting for you time time <laughs> yeah yeah time to play these games time to record time to edit um, it's gotten to the point now where I I've had to combine some of my hobbies. So like I, I only edit, I edit my podcast while I'm watching sports because okay. it's easy to do both at the same time. And I don't have time for both if I don't do it that way. So there's that. Um, something that I, I, I wonder if other, I'm sure other people have had something like this, but keeping a healthy relationship with whoever you're keeping a relationship with because podcasting is time consuming unless you do a half hour show or right. something like that. So shout out to one hour, one decision. Those guys figured it out. Um, <laughs> I don't do a half hour show. I do like a two plus hour show once a week. So it's a big time commitment. And I'm also someone who loves to say yes to invitations to do stuff. And I've had to, I mean, you and I, it took us a little while to get this going because I have to set hard limits for myself. Like, right. I, I can't record three podcasts a week. It's too many. Right. Uh, I won't have time to give love to everyone in my life that needs love. So I, I got to set limits for myself. And I think that some people, other people have to have had some kind of experience with that too, you know? Yeah, I feel that. So like for me, when I'm editing, especially, I'll do like 30 minutes a day. Yeah. You know, and the only time in that that doesn't count is when I'm just doing, you know, the master setup with music and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I'm like, when I hit that 30 minute mark, that's it for today. Yeah, that, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty good. I, um, I, like I said, I personally, like, I probably would spend my night watching a basketball game. So I'm going to edit the podcast while I'm watching the game. When the game is over, if I'm not done with the show, I'll, I'll put it on hold until the next game. And that that's right. been working out for me. That's good. That's good, though. Absolutely. Um, what is so far like the best game that you've covered? So not 
your favorite game of all time, but the best game you've covered on the podcast. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Like so, Bloodborne, I did cover Bloodborne. I love that <laughs> game. Um, I honestly, I think Disco Elysium is the best game I've covered. I, I if I if Bloodborne's not my favorite game, Disco Elysium's a contender for sure. And I think that that is just. That's a game that I did an episode. It was three and a half. It was like three hours and forty-five minutes long, and I don't think we had very many complaints about the game at all. Uh, yeah. So I think that that is an incredible work of art, and yeah, I feel pretty confident with that. That's I've said this a while back, but I feel like that's still a game that not enough people talk about. To be honest, you know, I think I think people like us who maybe pay attention a bit more to the indie scene and everything. Mm -hmm. I just don't think you hear as much about it in the, you know, the larger conglomerate of uh, people who talk about games. Yeah, it's, it shouldn't be a hard sell, but I feel like it is kind of a hard sell for some people. Uh, If you start describing what the game is, you know, it's, um, it's like an old school RPG, like uh, with the isometric perspective and dice rolls and a bunch of stats and stuff like that. And there's no combat. Uh, yeah. Then people start being like, "Oh, what?" Uh, and but when you start to talk about all of its, um, all of the positives, I, I do think that like more people should give it a shot, right? Because it, it does some really amazing, uh, creative things with RPG mechanics that we all think we know everything about, you know? Right. Well, that we just talked about Papers, Please. Which have you made that through the backlog yet? Uh, not on the show, but I did play it, yeah. Okay, so it and uh, the guy Lucas Pope who made it has also made Return of the Oberdin. Yes. Both of them are about paperwork, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how, do you, how do you take the core concept, you know, of paperwork and make it interesting? Yeah, Papers, Please is a lot harder sell than Oberdin. Oberdin's um, got a killer, like, elevator pitch, I think. But Papers, Please is like, yeah, you work in a, 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 cust- or a booth at the border and you check people's passports. Yeah. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Yeah, you're just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you just do this all day, and you send people off to the nice building with men with guns, and then yeah, you don't exactly. ever see and them again. Sometimes you make mistakes, <laughs> and your family starves. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I think those games are hard sell, and I think Disco Elysium goes in that, like where they're tremendous, but you gotta like maybe push the average gamer into it. You know, you gotta give them a little nudge forward. Yeah, I mean, you. I could say that. Like, if you value writing in video games at all, then you have to play Disco Elysium. It has some of the best writing I've ever experienced. Um, If you enjoy memorable characters, Disco Elysium has some of the best characters I've ever come across in not just games, in media. So I've always said, you know, like the most important thing in a game is like the primary gameplay loop. And then the second thing is the story. Third is art direction. That doesn't mean graphics. That's just, you know the actual direction and how it's going to look. Yeah. Um, but if we were to show off an episode of your podcast, what episode would you want us to use? Let's see. So I do think my episode on Disco Elysium is really good. <laughs> uh, it was almost four hours long, though, so that is kind of a tough sell. Um, I did that with Rick from Pixel Project Radio. So okay. shout out to Rick for uh, for bringing the A game on that episode. Um, I think an episode that I would like to shout out. Uh, I I really liked my recent episode on The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, that is a game that is extremely polarizing, 
and I'm very proud of the measured conversation that we had about all of the polarizing aspects of that game. Um, and yeah. again, if you haven't played the game, my show in that episode, we went an hour, an hour and a half with no spoilers. So like that's that's like a key thing. Um, Tunic is another one. It's a game that people say like, go in totally blind. Don't, don't read anything about it. But like, I think our episode did well in the non-spoiler part of talking about it and saving all like the good stuff you discover, you know, until yeah. the spoiler part. Yeah, we reviewed Tunic and it was very positive for us. I just, I get why they chose the mysterious language. I just wish they hadn't chosen the mysterious language for the, uh, for the manual that you're building as you go along. Yeah, the language didn't add a whole lot for me personally. I- Maybe if they made it like some uh, glyph symbols that you could like interpret a lot easier instead of a you know made up language. Sure, I think that could have worked, or just you know used a language. Yeah, I, I think that they wanted you to have that feeling of stranger in a strange land, and right have other things guide your discovery instead of reading a signpost or something like that. You know, right, All right, which is fair. And that's yeah. that's a game. Oh, that's another one with the great art direction like we've talked about yeah it's gonna look good for a very long time yep um so this question here has only one correct answer all others are wrong best soundtrack say i just listened to your episode with play along so i know the answer uh today um so before i say the correct answer the one that you're waiting for um i'm going to say metal gear rising revengeance has a kick-ass soundtrack and i love it um, have you have you uh, you haven't heard our review of that game? I have not. No, another, I couldn't stand it. Oh, man, I love that game so much. <laughs> um, but Persona Five does have an incredible soundtrack. I will. I I have no disagreement about that. <laughs> if someone is like, "That's my favorite video game soundtrack of all time," I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It yep. rules. Yeah, I just do that because it is you know mine. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, Bloodborne's got a beautiful soundtrack though. Let's let's be honest. It it's does. Like boss fight music is tremendous. Some of it, yeah. Some of the um, from software boss fight music, especially, all sounds the same to me. Uh, especially the Dark Souls soundtracks. Uh, Bloodborne has a bit more identity to it, I think. Thinking about stuff like Ludwig, yeah, uh, and yeah, it, I was about to say Ludwig is definitely a memorable soundtrack. Yeah, while you're going through it. Well, it's like it's one of the only ones that has like a a really driving memorable melody to it instead of just you know choirs chanting in the background that's fair yeah that's fair another one i think of for the souls game is dancer of the boreal valley yeah again it's another one that's it's different from all the chanting choirs and yes uh, loud ha 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 ha, (laughs) like those soundtracks you know have you ever heard uh, a souls game being described as like a rhythm game I have heard people describe Sekiro as a rhythm game. Uh, I, I I disagree, but I, I get where people are coming from. The other ones, not really. Not really? I haven't heard it. You ready for your last question? Sure. This is it. You get to take three games with you to a deserted island. Now, a little qualification on this. For like your online multiplayer, I'm going to use GTA as an example. Mm-hmm. So you'll get all the updates and you have access to the online world, but you're playing it by yourself. So no one will join you. If you want to do a heist, it'll be NPCs populating it. Okay. So you can have access to stuff like that, but you are by yourself. Okay. Then 
I think I would take Rocket League. Okay. I love just that play, game. I think it's really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, turn the bots up as high as difficulty as you can. Uh, and just let <laughs> me play against... I think that game's incredible. And the chance to, uh, to get better at it. Because, like, the reason I stopped playing Rocket League, even though I think it's an incredible game, is I just... I'm not going to spend the time it takes to get good at Rocket League. So... Yeah, give me Rocket League. Um, let's see. Maybe that would be a good time to get into uh, Red Dead Online. Okay. Because I love the world of Red Dead 2, but I'm not going to play online because I hate uh, I hate online gamers. So They, they are not great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's not online gamers. I just, I don't like playing online because I don't like... Um, well, like the people who dedicate their lives to it, I don't want to come across them because yeah. I don't obviously don't dedicate my life to it. And right. then let's see. Maybe give me Dark Souls. Yeah, give me Dark Souls 1 okay. uh, and allow me Can I use mods? You can. All right, yeah, give me Dark Souls 1 with all the randomizer and okay. uh, mods like that. Yeah. All right. That is one I, I still haven't beaten Dark Souls 1. Each each time I go back to a Souls game, I like chip away a little further. Uh-huh. And then I get to <laughs> like, you know, like the mad rage quit point. I uninstall it and then like, you know, a few months later I'm like, "You know what? I should go back and try that again." And then I get a little bit further mm-hmm. or I'll get to the point where I was mad and I'm like, "Why was I so upset? This is easy." Yeah. That happens to me a lot, and it it's it taught me a valuable lesson when playing uh, Mega Man or Cuphead <laughs> or Souls games or anything with those like really difficult uh, encounters. Is uh, when I start to hear myself say out loud, "This is bullshit." Fuck this! Like if I hear myself saying that out loud, put it down, come back tomorrow. Yep. And you'll usually you'll use whatever it was that was giving you trouble. Final boss of Cuphead, beat it tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. Just go take take a breath. Go take a walk real quick. Mm-hmm. You'll be okay later. Yeah, you you that anger state when you're playing a game like that is like the least productive state. You're not going to accomplish anything. This isn't in the the questionnaire since we're out. But what what is the hardest that you've rage quit before? Let's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, rage quit The Witcher Two so hard that I returned the game the same day that I bought it. <laughs> back in the day uh, i bought it from gamestop in like eh, as like 2012 or something like that i took it home i raged so hard at the tutorial i couldn't beat the tutorial and i got so mad that i took it right back to gamestop it was at my house for like less than an hour so that i think that counts (laughs) oh man uh i used to play a lot of i was that guy for a while who did all like multiplayer stuff Mm -hmm. and it was rainbow six siege Mm-hmm. And I've, I've told the story on the podcast, but we were playing in ranked and I hit my desk here hard enough that it reset my computer. <laughs> <laughs> that cat, that's a sign from the universe. Like, bro, you got to chill. We're turning your computer off. Every Everybody thought I'd actually just, you know, alt F4 the game and just quit. And then yeah. I, I typing that message just said, uh, you need to go like chill for a few minutes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having to explain that in a discord of, why i just dipped out yeah I, I don't think i've thrown a controller or anything like that since i was a kid and i threw right. a game i threw a game boy uh, i think i missed a pokemon or something like that 
and uh, threw a Game Boy and broke it. I don't think I've um, thrown a controller since then. Yeah, it, it is something as you get older, because I think one, you really start to appreciate how much money they cost when you're yeah, buying exactly. your own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah PS5 controller true. costs $70. I can't break that. No, it's, it's far too much money. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm playing games on my Switch more often than not, and I'm like, what, am I going to throw my Switch across the room, you know? That was my first thought when I saw uh, Dark Souls on Switch. Yeah. I was like, oh, good Lord. They're just wanting to buy new Switches for people. Exactly. Trying to get people to upgrade to those OLEDs. <laughs> hey, the OLED's a good upgrade now. It's nice. I like it, it is, a lot. It is very nice. It's a very nice upgrade. Well, Dave, that's that's all I got for you, man. So here's the fun part of Between Two Pods, where the sure. AMA gets flipped. Okay. And now you get to ask me whatever you'd like to. Ooh, I didn't know this was coming. Well, all right. So what's your favorite part of doing these um, Between Two Pods episodes besides, you know, meeting new people? What else is there? Well, that's that really is the whole point of it. But it's to get a different perspective on games or maybe something I wouldn't normally think about. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, oh, I'd say that's really it, though. But also discovering a podcast that maybe I'm not 100 percent familiar with. Yeah. You know, you only have so much time in a day to listen to different podcasts and everything. And you know, I get to learn a little something. Hopefully y'all get to learn a little something and everybody's happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would say that it's a, it's a great series for exactly that, you know, uh, cause you and I, we chat in discord from time to time and I've listened to your podcast a few times, but like, yeah. we don't, you know, we don't know each other, you no, know, not at all. so it's good to, uh, good to sit down and, and chat like this for sure like uh rick from pixel project he's one of the guests i have lined up i haven't yeah. gotten a date down with him yet but you know it's it's not a podcast i'm that familiar with at the moment i'll go you know binge a bunch of episodes to get a little more familiarity with them but mm -hmm. you know and that and keeping the questions slightly vague or a little topical helps a lot too yeah you know um i've had a few challenging ones of these like doing uh fuck my work life uh -huh. who they do nothing with video games. Oh, right. Yeah. So all they do is people complaining about work. So I had to come up with like a whole series just for them. Sure. But it worked, yeah. out, it worked out great. And it was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we, we have our community of video games podcasters, but there's, you know, so many people outside of this sphere that, you know, it's kind of hard because I do every episode of my show is with a guest too. So I'm. Right mostly having new people on there's people that come back of course but it's hard for me to find people outside of the circle of video games podcasts because it, it might be like you know i think this person does a cool podcast about movies but like i don't know if they play video games like i do you know right I, I like i have one i'm trying to line up with uh while talking smack they do superheroes movies comics and animation mm -hmm. i've been on there to talk about anime a few times they do games occasionally, but it's not like a big focus. So again, you know, for them, I'm going to have to have a whole new list of questions. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, um, it's a good series. Like, so you guys do this, Eric from the Unlockables um, used to do episodes like this. I'm not sure if he's still planning on doing them. Uh, Your Friendly Neighborhood Gamers is still doing episodes like this. Yeah. So, I mean, I love listening to these episodes where people just get to talk about themselves and I get to learn about them a little bit more as people. Um, cause I, of the shows that I listen to, I know their gaming tastes, you know, right. But it's good to hear, even if you're still kind of talking about video games, it's good to hear a different 
you know, a little bit of a different side of people. It might also give you, it kind of gives you like a little more insight too, right? As to uh, how their like gaming taste is formed, if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, they get a little more time where they're not focused on one specific topic and they get to talk a little more broadly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on my show, I'm focused on one game every episode. And so <laughs> today I get to bounce around and talk about a bunch of stuff. Absolutely. I, I'd also say um, I don't have to make you play anything. Which yeah. Is a, which is a nice selling point, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's like, kind of the deal with people on my show. Yeah. It's just like, come on, I'm going to ask you some questions, and then you get to ask me questions. And I, I always leave that part out, though, because I kind of like it to be a surprise. Yeah, and see what <laughs> see what questions people come up with. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a little more fun to put you on your toes. It's the same reason I don't send anybody the questions. Right. Prior. Who was the best um, reverse AMA per- guest on the show? Who's asked you the best questions? I, I don't I don't know if I've had like the best for that. Uh, we did one called Between One Pod where it was just me and one of my co-hosts because uh-huh. he was the only one who hadn't answered this. Uh, one of them does a movie podcast, so I had him and his movie co-host on to talk about it. Uh, but our other co-host just was asking me the same questions that I had asked him because he has access to all my questions in our oh, nice. private Discord. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it was just a little Uno reverse card. And I, yeah. I hate to say it's my own questions, but I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Let's see what uh, what else I got for you. What's what's your? You gave one example, but what's your? What's another game that should have been left uh, in the backlog? Another game that should have been left in the backlog. I'm gonna go look at our score sheet. You know what? I had to play Dude Nukem forever. That oh. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows that game sucks. Uh, I'm sorry yeah, that we, happened to you. Uh, we gave that just a good uh, shin kicking for a while. Um, uh huh. Hunt Down the Freeman. I don't know if you know about this game. No. It's a Half-Life that... spin-off game. Okay. And it's the reason why Steam Greenlight doesn't exist anymore, to give oh. you an idea of how poor it is, because they Fun. use bots to bully it through the system. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Snap. <laughs> That's another mm-hmm. one. Save. Keep it in your memory. I'm talking about the 64 one, obviously. Keep keep that in your memories kind of thing. Gotcha. All right. What's what's the reverse? What's a game that you had coming on the show that you thought you were going to hate, but you ended up liking? Ooh, that's a good one. Because um, RE4 was my was mine. I was sure I was going to hate that game. And right, I loved you, it. You don't do horror games, right? Um, I'm getting better, but generally it wasn't the horror games. It was the fact that you can't move and shoot. I thought that that was stupid. And okay. I thought I was going to hate it. And then I played it and I was like, oh yeah, the game designers designed it around the fact you can't move and shoot. Of course. Yeah. Well, um, when I was younger, I used to actually like shoot competitively. Okay. So for me, it just kind of made sense. You know, when I was younger, I thought Call of Duty was dumb that you're running around and shooting because I'm like, that's not how this works whatsoever. (laughs) Shooting a sniper (laughs) rifle at full sprint. Yeah. Right. Right. A whole lot of sense. You know, you stop, you line up and then you pull the trigger that, you know, to me, makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd actually say it's the Wolf Among Us, to be honest. Oh, cool. So, which is, um, I'm not one for, you know, what I kind of had in my head, Disney fairy tale kind of stuff. Yeah. Never, never my thing. But the story that's actually there is really, really good. And I mean, Telltale got really knocked it out of the park. I should have known better with as much as I like the Telltale's The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I, I should have known that I was going to have a good time with it. But I also kind of remember it at the same time when they were just making a series about everything they could. 
Yeah, I so I didn't play The Walking Dead. I played the Telltale Game of Thrones game, and I thought it was terrible. It was just boring. Uh, so, yeah, but I never played The Wolf Among Us because people always told me, like, it's not finished and it's never going to be finished. So Well, they're, they're about to do The Wolf Among Us 2, exactly. finally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would I would say do uh, The Walking Dead just the first season of it. It's a, it's a full and complete story, to be honest with you. That's good. You know, I stayed away from that one, even though I heard it's good because I hate The Walking Dead TV show. Okay. Well, it, it only so. has like one character from the TV show, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the people who played the tel- played the Telltale game and watched the show, they're like, the Telltale game's incredible. And the show is kind of trashy, but I've been watching it too long. I can't stop now. It's one of those shows. It's like Grey's Anatomy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's on season 20 like, or whatever now? Yeah. Lost, lost season six. Uh, we were all like, <laughs> we're here. We've been here. We have yeah. to finish it. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. What's uh, what's on your like wish list for the show? For the show, uh, right now we don't have too much filled out in the list at the moment. Uh, to give our listeners a little peek behind the curtain, I suppose we're doing. Uh, I, eventually, I want us to get through all the Gears of War series. Okay, I, I grew up playing that on the 360 with like you know my friends in middle school and high school, and you know I have really good memories of the co-op, but having to play it by myself is a bit of a different experience to mm-hmm. be nice because the ai in those games is not good doing oh, stuff like, like your that, teammate ai yeah yeah the gotcha. yeah, team ai is not great um doing stuff like that i'm getting the guys through the rest of the half-life series uh, but my my dream game to really do would be uh to get us to play half-life alex which is a vr title yeah or just to do some vr stuff in general but that you know vr is expensive and it is still niche Mm-hmm. As, as popular as it has become, you know, without denying that, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't say, hey, Joey, buy this thousand dollar headset. And... Exactly. <laughs> so you can play one game for the podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Well, the game comes with it. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That was when I got my uh, Valve Index was actually it was during COVID because I, I worked all the way through that. Mm-hmm. So I got the what did they call it? The stimulus check or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that went in my bank account, and I was working anyway, because I've been an essential worker the whole time. So I just uh, I bought a $1,000 VR headset. I'm sure that's where they meant the money to go, but I exactly, didn't really yeah. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of reinvesting it into your community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I said, here you go, Val. Take my money and send me a VR headset so I can escape from the world for a while while everything's that's, closed. <laughs> that's fine. I, I mean, I got those stimulus checks, too, and I wasn't even living in the U.S. I was oh, really <laughs> everyone who filed taxes got those checks. Oh, so right. like, yeah. even if you don't live in the U.S., you have to file U.S. taxes. So I got the checks, too. So I'm sure I spent a lot of it on video games. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this then, since you, you do this too, same as me, you are playing games sometimes with the idea that you're going to be critiquing them, analyzing them on the podcast. Right. Does it affect you in the moment when you're playing the game? Um, not really. I, I just kind of have like a little notebook and, you know, when I get done with my PlayStation, I jot things down. I used to be really meticulous about my notes, mm-hmm. but now, you know, if something isn't on my mind when I'm, you know, done playing for the evening or for the afternoon, it doesn't really go in the notebook. 
because if I don't remember it, it can't be that important. I used to like every little thing, you know, stop and write notes, stop and write notes, because I was mm-hmm. trying to be a little more professional. I've gotten a bit more relaxed about it now. That's good. Um, I don't know if that's the best answer to your question, though, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, your answer yeah. is your answer, so. That's, that's true. I, um, For me personally, like... I take, I'm the same way. I take notes after I'm done playing. Mm -hmm. I don't like to pause and take notes. Um, It's kind of like you said, if there's a plot detail that I can't remember 30 minutes later, I don't need to talk about it on the podcast. No, it's it's not worth it. There's that. But I will say that doing the podcast has changed the way that I think when I play games. So even if I'm not doing a game for the podcast, I will still like think about it in that way a little bit more than i used to you know like you you may notice things because you've you've been either consciously or subconsciously training yourself to think differently about the media so yeah that's it no that's a really good point because like i mean i haven't written even the first note for tears of the kingdom to be honest with you that Mm -hmm. one i've thankfully been able to separate although i have like fond memories of it that one's going to be a hard one for me later. I also try to not have personal bias. Yeah. But I think everybody does though at some point, because there are are just some things you don't like in games. Yeah. Like I was talking about with Mega Man X, like it is a personal bias against a game that was made in an era for the era. You know what I mean? So like the fact that I don't like that, that's my personal thing and I can't remove that. I can't pretend like I can say, yes, of course, academically, I understand why they put game <laughs> overs in these old games to make you redo levels and it pad out the runtime. Like it makes sense to me. I understand it. Doesn't mean I like it. And right. You know, I think on my show at least and any good show that I listen to you're not coming at it from a 100% academic perspective. This is also, there's a personal side to this too. And if you don't have that, then I, I don't really want to listen to your show or watch your YouTube channel or something like that, you know? Right. Um, I get that. There's some cases I do want that. There's one YouTube series I watch like, uh, where they go into like developer logs. But I think at that point, you're getting something from the creative half of it, you know? Not yeah, that's the, something a little different. Not yeah. the reviewer. But I, I feel like even then, it, I don't know. Um, man, that's actually a really good question. That might be the best question I've been asked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go, Dave. I'll, let you, I'll change my answer for that one. You got well, the uh, Yeah. The so the reason question. I ask that is because there are, like, people ask that of uh, creators. Right. You know? YouTubers or podcasters or whatever, they people like to ask that question and it feels like a gotcha question a little bit. It feels like people are trying to trap me into saying, yes, it affects my experience, but how could it not affect my experience? Right. Even in, you know, I was playing um, uh, Bleak Sword DX, which just got released. I was playing it on my Switch. It's not going to be on Tales from the Backlog, but I, I can't say that like, the experience that I've gained reviewing 85 games on the podcast didn't factor into my experience playing that game too. I just think about it differently now. So do you, do you think at some point you're going to have to teach yourself how to turn off critic mode um, and just turn on like uh, relaxed mode? 
I, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm teaching myself to do that right now when I play Final Fantasy 16. Because if I'm in critic mode, I'm going to turn that game off, uh, and I'm. I have to force myself to just be like, dude, just sit back and enjoy these cutscenes, and then think about that shit later. So, do you have like a like a comfort game then? So for me, like the game I can always turn on and just breeze through is Half Life Two. Yeah. So like I can turn that. I think that may be what turns my brain off a of critic mode. Mm-hmm. Because that game's like an eight-hour campaign, and I think I have around 60, 70 hours in it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I'm a little frustrated with something or just bored and don't know what to play, it's why it's always installed on my computer. I can just, you know, relax and zip through it. Yeah. By the way, I just played, I played Half-Life 2 for the first time last year for the podcast, and I loved it. Yes. Uh, That game holds up even first time playing it. It was 2022, but I assume it's the same this year. That game rules. Um, I was happy to see that. Uh, for me, comfort games, there's a couple types. Um, from software games are definitely like that. Uh, they're they're difficult, but like the, there's a cool thing about those games because the spaces are so memorable and it can be such a struggle sometimes that like after you beat one, you're kind of a master. There, there are no surprises in from software games anymore. You know where the enemies are. You know where the right. shortcuts are. You know where the items are. So it can become a comfort game in that way because you know exactly what to expect. Um, the other comfort games I have are, uh, I love Picross okay. like puzzle games. Yeah. Uh, if I'm really in a depressive funk, I will lay in my bed and play Picross and listen to podcasts for hours and it just, it just zones me out and I love it for that. Um, and Pokemon too. Okay. I can pick up a Pokemon game. Same same thing as from software in that way. I know exactly what a Pokemon game is. I'm never going to be surprised by playing a Pokemon game. And that's a bad thing if you want innovation in the series, but it's a good <laughs> thing if you're Dave and you're not feeling so green. You can play Pokemon. Right. It's something that, it, I mean, I've done the same with like old Call of Duties, you know. Yeah. Just sit down, brain off, run through a campaign. Yeah. You know. And I, I think it's important to have those kind of games. I think that may be what keeps me from staying in reviewer mode all the time. Because mm-hmm. I'll go back and do that kind of thing for a, a, maybe a reset. Yeah, and maybe I should clarify. Like, So if I have that, like, I'm not always in reviewer mode. But I do, I do think that I have forever changed the way that I think about right. video games. Right. So like if I'm playing a game that I know will never go on the podcast... Like I booted up um, Forza, whatever the open world one is, Horizon or something Horizon? like that. Isn't that right? Yeah. I think it's Horizon. The, yeah, the, the newer one that's on Game Pass. I booted that up. I was like, I'm never going to do a podcast about this game. I'm just going to drive a car for a while and, you know, take it off some jumps and wreck it and have a good time. And I, I wasn't in reviewer mode, but I was, you know, I just think about games differently now. So. Yeah. No, I, I I get that. I feel like you just kind of opened up a new avenue for me thinking now. Yeah. So I don't. Maybe I feel like I haven't noticed that though as well. But I have been doing it. Sure. I mean, so, it's, so maybe the reviewer is becoming second nature. Kind of, but it, it's only. I think it's only natural if you consume a certain type of media a lot, and you think about it in any critical way then more experience doing that will help mm-hmm. will help you think about it in a new way. You, you don't have to do a movie review podcast or write movie reviews to start to appreciate movies more 
tricks that people make when making movies, uh, as you get older and watch more, I think you're naturally going to do that. So, yeah. Okay. That's a fair enough thing. Dave, do you have any more questions you'd like to ask me? The floor is yours, my man. (laughs) Um, what is a, what's an episode that you're most proud of, of your show? Which game? So it's not an episode. Which interview? It's not an episode, actually. It's a trilogy. Okay. So we surprised Joey and bought him a copy of Breath of the Wild. Okay. And we did a Zelda trilogy. So we did uh, A Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, and Breath of the Wild as back-to-back reviews. Right. So that's a lot of Zelda to get through. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's like the Triforce of Zelda games. So that was the thought behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, actually, here's a question for you. Uh, which one of those do you think? Right, how do you think the ranking of them was? Oh, so here's a little top three for you. Yeah. How do you, how my, do you think they did? Uh, my personal ranking, Breath of the Wild, number one by a lot. Uh, Ocarina of Time is number two. Um, I That was my favorite game of all time when I was a kid. And it's not my favorite game of all time now. I'm not like mad at it or anything. It's just, you know, taste change. And um, I've never been a huge fan of A Link to the Past, so that's number three. It's not... Oh, go ahead. Before people get mad. I don't think that's a terrible game or something. I've just... I've tried it like three times, and I always get burned out halfway through it. Okay. So for us, it went Breath of the Wild, because it's Breath of the Wild, let's be honest. Um, Yeah. Link to the Past. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Ocarina of Time. And Ocarina of Time actually uh, ranked out the worst for us, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I... like I'm not shocked. It's 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 not aged well in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, uh, to, there, I mean, there's a big difference. So, Breath of the Wild, nine and a half out of ten. Link to the Past, eight point eight out of ten. Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time, six point seven out of ten. But I think, do you ever find yourself struggling with that, though, with older games when you're trying to review it? Because you do have this, and I guess with Mega Man, you could say you do, Yeah. Um, your modern sensibility of how games should be and should be played. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you ever try, it's like, when I, because I know that the N64 is not really a great generation, if we're honest about things. And... You know, I, I tried to subtract that a bit from when we were playing it to review it, but things like Z targeting will just drive you up the wall. And I get that they want to play with, uh, you know, the fact that they can do 3D and everything now, mm-hmm. but it just didn't really work out that great. Yeah. Like so... I think it's impressive for the time, but maybe, you know, trying to separate a bit of modern hindsight with at the time. Yeah, if you imagine a spectrum of like living in the context of the the time when a game was released mm-hmm. all the way up until playing a game with modern sensibilities, I'm much more on the modern sensibilities side of that. Um, I can appreciate the context in, like I said, like an academic sense, right. but that context does not make me enjoy those things at all. Uh, right. So... I can, yeah, I can play Zelda 2 for the NES, and I can look at those things and be like, it's kind of cool that they had an RPG system, and like, I kind of get why the game is so difficult, but I hate playing that game, and 
if I'm going to give my personal opinion, then like, that's, that's my opinion. I'm coming from, I'm a person in the year 2023. Like I, I'm not time traveling here. So yeah, it, it does affect me when I go back and play older games. Um, same as like Final Fantasy VII's another example. Yes. Uh, where I can look at that and be like, look at them trying with 3D. Look at look at the attempt that they made. But also, that game looks awful. There were so many times. So I played it for the first time as an adult. I didn't have it as a kid. Yeah, me too. And uh, there were so many times I didn't understand. There were things that I could walk on that I just thought were in the background in the isometric. <laughs> I yeah. just like it, it didn't click for the longest time. So when I figured that out, I suddenly found myself like trying to walk on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's stuff like that where there are people who I think are able to put themselves in that older context really easily and appreciate things for the time. And I can only do that in like a kind of detached sort of way. Like I can't, it doesn't, it doesn't make me enjoy something more. Fair enough. Um, Would you ever go back in time then and uh, redo your first episode on this? Ooh, on Tales from the Backlog? Yeah, would you ever redo your first episode? It, eh, if I did, it would only be to use uh, the microphone that I have now and not the <laughs> not the off-brand, cheap-ass uh, microphone I was using at the time. But the content of that episode, I, I'm happy with. I'm proud of that. I, I wish I could say that. I am not. We were very, very nice. And it was very awkward, in, like <laughs> the first episode. And I, maybe we'll do that for like our two-year anniversary. Yeah. So with Tales from the thing. Backlog, though, I, I had already been doing podcasts. Um, I had already been. It's a top three podcast, my first one. So like I'd already been doing my opinions on a podcast, right. and that first episode is with two of my friends from high school, two people that I know super well. So the right. conversation flowed really well. Uh, we're talking about Rocket League, which again, it's an awesome game. It's not hard to do a podcast talking about how great Rocket League is. Right. So, and no spoiler section in that episode to this day. Uh, maybe the only game that doesn't have a spoiler section was episode <laughs> one. There you go. Our first episode was on Dead Cells. Okay. Which was a game until I had to install it because I was invited to do this. Never heard of. How did you feel? Like, uh... I, I was way too generous to it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like we should go back and do that. I might pitch it to the boys, see what mm. they say. I I like that game, but I, I don't like it nearly as much as uh, a lot of people seem to. Yeah. there's I, I, you, either, you either love roguelikes or you hate them. I don't think there's like they have a good middle ground for people. Uh, I kind of disagree. I think, I think I'm pretty much in the middle, but with Dead Cells, I will say... The overwhelming thought that I had when I was playing that game was, I wish this was just a Castlevania game that felt like this to play. Yeah. The only other thing, I was also hoping that, like, you know, when you got to the next section, Mm -hmm. that should have been your checkpoint for your next run, in my opinion. Not all the way at the very beginning. With as long as the levels were and as complicated as they are, it would make more sense to, you know, the next section. Yeah, I've got a thing with roguelikes where, unless it's a very special one, um, mm-hmm. after I complete one run, even if it's not like the end, mm-hmm. uh, I am done. My brain says you're done with this game forever. And that happened with Dead Cells. 
It happened with Hades. I beat that game once. You have to beat it 11 times or something like that. One time and my brain was like, you're never playing this game again. (laughs) And I never did. Uh, So it it takes a really special one, like um, Slay the Spire and uh, Monster Train, stuff like that for me to actually keep playing. It's not it's not a roguelike, but near autonomy my brain was like that as well. I got that first set of credits and I'm like, all right, yep, oh, seen man. enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> just the credit syndrome. It's not you the yeah. the game is different after that. Yeah, that's what I was told in the review, and I was like, Oh, really? It is? I quit playing at the first credits. I thought I was done. <laughs> yeah. After the credits, the game puts up a message because I, I think there were enough people that thought the way you did yeah. that after the credits that they put up a message to say, Hey, the game's not over yet. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And I felt really bad because it was a guest episode as well. That made it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the guest had chosen it. And I had no idea. Then you should not play the first Nier game because it is actually playing the same events over and over again. Ah, uh, lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Well, uh, Dave, if you have nothing else, or do you? No, I'm, uh, I'm satisfied. If you're satisfied, I am too, man. Uh, one more time please tell everybody about your show and where they can find you. Yeah. So uh, again, Tales from the Backlog is a backlog games review show. Every week is a different game. And then once a month we have discussion episodes. Um, Some recent episodes. Let's see if if you're listening to this in uh, August, then in July, there was eco, there was final fantasy six. There was a, uh, there's an episode about game remakes, a discussion episode, and then Baldur's Gate 2. That was the July okay. schedule. Uh, so backlog games, that was a, a very heavy backlog retro month in July. Not always like that. So uh, again, every episode is no spoilers for as long as we can. Then we say, get out if you don't want spoilers. And then we do like the full spoiler blow up after that. So uh, every episode in the show notes has a timestamp. I, I really want people to listen to podcasts about games they've never played and not worry so that's my show well there we go dave thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you so much for the invite this has been awesome absolutely i'll tell you what uh add to your backlog uh black mesa it's the it's the predecessor the remade predecessor to half-life 2 since you liked it so much dude it's on my steam wish list and as we're talking the sale's still going on so i'll throw that in the cart it's it's really good it is I played it when it was in the uh, beta and the alpha for the longest time. So it's it's definitely good because the original one graphically doesn't hold up and it has a lot of uh, where do I go syndrome. Right. That a lot of older, you know, PC games had. Yeah. Not to yeah. like, you know, start up a whole new podcast episode, <laughs> but um, I, I do think it's really cool. If I'm not mistaken, that Valve saw that and we're like, hey, we're just going to pay you to make this and make yeah. it good. Yeah, because they were going to work on it, but then they saw that and were like, ah, never mind. Exactly. Hey, they're doing a good job. We'll just <laughs> we'll just pay them. So that that's cool. I'll, I'll definitely buy that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Add it to your backlog, man. It's worth playing through. And then oh, you yeah. can see why everybody loves Gordon so much. Oh, yeah, exactly. That was one of the things in my episode. I was like, why are people acting like Michael Jordan just walked in the room? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. We'll see you all in the next episode.